thank you for joining us for an episode of All About PR. If you're tuning in for the first time, on this podcast, we speak to experts from the field of PR and communication from across the world and bring you an interesting conversation on the subject every week. You know, women in PR is a fascinating subject because it has just so many conundrums, opposing practices, facts and data that it becomes difficult to keep track of what's what. In today's podcast, we deal with the challenges women in PR face at one of the most delicate phases that also has the highest attrition, the mid-management level. We have with us today Nandita Lakshmanan, founder and CEO The Practice, who will speak to us about how we can address this on an individual level in the workplace and society at large. Nandita is a familiar and well-respected name in the PR leadership and PR entrepreneurship circles. Her views on public relations, based on 25 plus years of experience, has helped shape the vision of a firm and influence the direction it takes to stay relevant in today's market realities. While she leads her firm from strength to strength, collecting many awards along the way, she enjoys spending time with women who wish to return to the workforce either through resuming a career or becoming entrepreneurs. And I believe she is also the perfect person for the subject we are discussing today on this podcast. So let's add her on. Hi, Nandita. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tarunji. Great to be here. It's so lovely to have you here today. I went through the entire PRTOI session that you did and was very intrigued by your answers. Oh, really? Great. So we have a little bit more time to explore those. Absolutely. But before we get started, I did want to know how did you get in PR and what keeps you here? All right. So, well, I was completing my master's. It was the final year in my education. And I was an announcer at All India Radio. I was hosting programs, request shows, and I was doing oh, okay. Then my older sister was working at a PR firm in Bangalore. It was Corporate Voice in one of, I think, the older PR firms. And they got later acquired by Shanway. So when she joined, I also kind of was looking at following her. So I just took up a course in public relations at the Bharatiya Vidya Bhavan in Delhi. And soon after, there was this article in Business Today on emerging professions. And there was a two or three pager on public relations with Prema, Dilip Chariot, there was Ipan, Good Relations, etc. who were featured there. So, so I liked what I read and a bit later, serendipity would have it, I met an old classmate who then introduced me to Prema and of course the rest is history. Awesome, so PR for PR really worked at that point. I did. And what keeps me here, Karuji, from a few years into my career till today, I have believed that public relations must be in the boardroom. Just like the CFO, just like the CHRO, just like the CMO, just like the Chief of Corporate Affairs, so on and so forth, public relations must belong to the boardroom. Absolutely agree. But you know, while creating a career in PR is one thing, PR entrepreneurship is a whole different ballgame. How did that come about? What was your first day like? Well, I got that experience very early into my career, Tarunji. Frankly, even while I was at Genesis, the fact that I was sent to Bangalore to set up their first office outside Delhi was an experience in entrepreneurship itself. So I grabbed it. And so the next four years that I spent in Bangalore setting this office up and then going on to Hyderabad, was like I was in my 20s then. There was a lot of energy, stamina, a lot of dreams. And right. then, of course, I worked on my own in year 2000. So the first five years really were the golden years, right? So we would dream as a young team. And we were able to achieve all those dreams. We had the best of clients, the ability to do things for ourselves, the awards, the recognition and international power. Was there anything we didn't do? 
So my colleagues were really amazing, young as they were. I mean, we were all very young, but it was their first job and uh, they were just about a year into their career. So most came to seek advice on what to do and then, of course, ended up at the practice. So I always look back at my first five years as the golden period, both my career and for the firm. Absolutely. And I think it's become one of the lessons in the industry itself. Thank you. PR is a very exciting field to be in. So I'm going to get right into the topic then of our podcast today. But we seem to lose a lot of good talent in the mid-management level. And there seems to be very limited scope or let's say very little leeway for women to accommodate their personal life with their work life. I know of a lot of women myself who left at the mid-management level. Why is So call it the three factor, right? It's marriage, maternity and motherhood. You see, Tarunjit, we have our colleagues join the workforce, what, at an average of 20 to 23 years. In public relations, you are a manager within five to six years of your career, right? So do the math. So that's about 28, 30 years. You are 28 or 30 years, right? When you become a manager. Now, as a norm, most women experience marriage and maternity between 28 to 34 years today. Imagine this. You have entered into a managerial role, which is an altogether new phase in your career. And you have to deal with marriage and maternity, which is altogether a full-time role and a new phase in your life. What Two full-time jobs, two new phases in your life, which require time and space to settle into. What, at the average age of 28? How do we as a society to help women deal with this life-altering phase? Yeah, so it's a lot to handle. There's burnout, there's ambiguity because there's no clear path for any of the women counterparts to understand how they will manage this. And forget the women, right? I'm sure the men are at sea as well. And compounding all this is societal condition. Few of us will but the majority let go of this crucial part of their career, saying they have no other option. I can understand that. But we are as a field claims to be centric than the others. Yet, when they take a break in their life for whatever reasons, returning back to workforce or managing these life changes, it seems to be a huge challenge. How can we change this? I think the fact that we are a women-centric profession, I think is great. In a corporate environment where many industries are trying to attract women, the public relations industry is way ahead of the curve. We also have several women in leadership roles. Okay, maybe not enough. But a good number for us to begin and sustain a movement on retaining women in the workforce and ensuring they get a seat in the boardroom in the next 5 to 15 years. It's a problem, but we're all aware of it. We need to be treating it as a problem. And the time I feel has come now to address the problem. You need to start looking around you and observing how your organization is from the word go, right? You step into a business. Yes, absolutely, you're kind of looking to make a mark, etc. But start observing the environment around you, right? What I call the softer behaviors of an organization. Right. How do single women? What is the diversity philosophy? Do they have diversity in their leadership? And I say diversity, I also speak about the LGBTQI community as well, right? It's just not women. Are right. they empathetic to even male colleagues who today want to be equal ethics? So I heard this a while back and I'm bringing it here, right? The work environment is extreme. And what we need to take is to take the extreme out of the work environment. Now I think this problem that we're discussing 
requires us to take out the extreme. Now, mind you, this is going to disrupt the workplace, right? Because we're not going to be able to work, at least from a PR firm perspective, from the consulting perspective, right? Right. Um, because we are also dealing with client expectations and their deliverables and their timelines. So, having said that, I do feel that we're lucky also to have many women leaders on the other side of the fence. And I think discussion and organizations like Wiki and GPPR India, etc., are really going to help us bring those discussions to the forefront. So I'm very optimistic. It would be such a welcome relief. But you know, when I joined the industry, I could not imagine a life that was not synonymous with the word extreme. Now, when I run my own agency, I'm determined to remove this word from the workplace environment as far as possible. But the effort, you're right, has to be made every single day. But you know, you brought up an interesting point with the three M's. And it is surprising that this is a question that is still addressed to women during interviews. They're often quizzed about their marriage, maternity and motherhood plans. And this is apparently an illegal question in a lot of countries, but not in India. And we don't see men in India being questioned on it. So if the PR field has women as a majority in the workforce, should the HR policies not be more focused around women that help them make these life-changing events rather than punishing them for it? The onus, though, Tarunji, this doesn't rest with us alone, right? It is society. It is not something that you and I as entrepreneurs or founders or CEOs of our businesses can address in isolation. Right. Because in my experience, the practice has very women-friendly HR policies. I think we are, we're gender agnostic and we have very fair and just HR policies. But it's a societal conditioning that I have to battle. I have had women drop out because they have been told that the responsibility, greater responsibility lies with their child. Or when their husbands are transferred, they have to drop their work here and join him and take a break from their career, right? On the question of do we get asked these questions about marriage and maternity, I'm only amused because I sometimes wonder that do we even have a place for these questions if we claim to be a progressive society? We absolutely must have HR policies that are friendly towards the diverse employee base we have today. And I bring that up again, that to me, diversity and inclusion is not just women, right? It is everybody. And even today, Karunjit, I want to bring in that I have made colleagues who want to be equal parents. They want to spend time enjoying the milestones of their or etc. Is the workplace conducive for that as well? So I think the problem is wider and greater, and I think we need to kind of look at this problem with a much bigger lens. But, and this is something that I believe, is that workplaces should only be concerned about competence, about right. goals, and anyone who can help meet them should be made to work. Absolutely. That brings an interesting question to mind. PR is about creating reputations. It is about bringing the change in the narrative. Why can't PR be at the forefront of this narrative of how men and women should be treated in the workforce? Can we not become a beacon of hope for the rest of the industry to follow? Not just rest of the industry, I would say a beacon for every industry because right. we've always attracted female talent. And the question, therefore, is not really how we welcome back women returning to work. I would say it is about from the time anybody enters the workplace, how do we sensitize them to the various phases in the career and what kind of impacts 
and shapes that career. And it includes both professional milestones and personal milestones as well. As I have gotten older and my responsibility of my child is kind of virtually reducing, right? My son is 19, he's going to go off and study and he goes on to make his life. But I am now kind of looking at how to deal with elder care, for example, and also my own health. You know, life throws curveballs at you. How well prepared are we to manage those curveballs? And someone asked me the other day, right, do you have to be thick-skinned in public relations? And I said, no, you don't have to be thick-skinned because that's, again, putting a label on you. Yes, what 28 years of being in public relations, and maybe any other career for that matter, teaches you is that awareness of yourself and your capabilities, acceptance of your strengths and weaknesses, builds a certain resilience which is what pairs you for this uh, long haul journey. Absolutely. Completely agree. But you mentioned in part about the breaks that we take. I've often noticed that most women are often asked to defend their break and prove that they are still capable. On the flip side, when you look at a man taking a break, it's seen as enlightening, learning, explorative. How can we change this conversation? What would your advice be to women returning to the workforce? How should they present their break? I want to see the women of today and society knocking off marriage from this tree end because marriage should not be a reason for women to fall off the workforce. It should not. And today's generation is well-educated. They have been exposed to a lot. And perhaps I'm speaking from a point of being privileged, perhaps. But let's talk about our industry. And we all have got good exposure. We've all got good education. We have entered the workforce knowing that having spent money on doing courses in public relations and knowing that this is perhaps what you want to do. I want this generation to enter the workforce knowing that careers are today a necessity and not a choice or an option. The moment you come in with that kind of a mindset, you will make it work and you will allow milestones like marriage to fall off the workforce. So keep that away. Now what you've done is you've extended the lifespan of the initial years, right, before maternity, because you're now saying that we are going to have people who are not going to consider marriage as a roadblock to their career. The second now to maternity. Um, there were times when I would have colleagues come in and be apologetic about saying that they were pregnant. And I would look at them and say, but why are you apologizing? So this is not always about progressive HR policies. It's social conditioning that women who get pregnant and who are looking to start a family, it's a huge roadblock for their career. So pregnancy is not an ailment. So you come in and you say that, all right, now that you're married, you're definitely going to look at starting a family. And organizations are also, I mean, come on, we're sure that that seems to be the natural progression. And then so don't be apologetic when you're pregnant. So you come in and you can avail of all the policies, the very, very clear policy. Now you have nine months to plan. And I would urge everyone to plan, use that time to plan. And when you say plan, the onus is not just on the women. It's equally on their partner. It's equally on the workforce. What happens when you go for the six months maternity leave? I can guarantee you, six months, the woman is going through so many changes, right? That it's a difficult time. It's a period of great adjustment. What can the organization do to stay in touch 
What can the professional do to stay in touch? So how do you prepare to ensure that six months later, this six months maternity leave is not treated as a burden on the organization, but as empowering and paving the way to lessen complexity of the life at that point in time. When the person comes in, how are you ensuring that the six months is not time lost, but the six months treated as the break that someone has taken, a sabbatical that someone has taken. This is where I feel organizations have to work hard. I completely understand the point you're making about women coming in apologetically to tell you about pregnancy. I've even seen the same happen for news on marriage. I guess it just feeds into the social conditioning about how these events could be perceived by a company, halt their growth, or they will be pressured to quit by family. Also, Tarunjit, I feel there needs reciprocity, right? I mean, look, organizations can do what they can do. Individuals and women also need to kind of recognize that they need to plan, and I keep coming back to this plan. During this time, how are you building a support system that allows you to come back to work? How do you build a support system and how do you start having conversations with your partner, with your family, extended family, with your managers, with your peers? How are you having those discussions to say that you know, I am ready to come back into the workforce and pick up from where I left? We need to have that level of confidence. And this is another area where we all need to work together. All need to work together, not just corporates alone, society as well. And it is so essential to create a support system at work as well as home. I've often noticed and, you know, I've been guilty of doing the same thing. But women in PR are individual powerhouses. But when they make the transition from execution to manager roles, it messes with their rhythm and the struggle is very, very real. I know I had to challenge myself to rise to the task when I made that transition. And social conditioning doesn't really help. What would your advice be to women making this transition into a successful and seamless one? The C, the career must be added to every woman's life journey these days. It is very important to realize that you need to plan. And are you doing that planning enough? Also, Tarunjit, I would like to even male counterparts and male peers into this discussion. The, the shift from being executors to managers is a whole different ballgame. We just treat it as a celebratory promotion. But we forget to realize that with that starts coming a very different kind of responsibility and accountability. And I think don't do enough to prepare our people to move from being the execution to becoming managers. Then you spoke about working in silos. Team building, understanding team dynamics and working with teams is very, very essential. Very, very essential. We have another problem, right? A lot of our managers jump ship in the corporate side. But they end up working in silos. I mean, the only team they perhaps have is the PR firm that they work with. But then at that mid-career level, how much experience do you have to recognize, to integrate this extended team as yours? Plan your life. Women have to do that. If they're going to get married, if they're going to have children, what about your responsibilities to parents, parents-in-law? You need to plan. You need to invest in a good support system that allows you to keep propelling your way forward in a career. The second, financial independence allows you to make decisions you would never be able to. Start being aware of your financial bearings as well. It's your lot of respect. 
in society. It gives you a lot of respect within family. It gives you a certain sense of individualism that is extremely empowering and uh, strengthening. So I think this is very, very important. It's never too early to start being aware of how you're managing your finances and saving and preparing for difficult times. And the third is, and this is something that perhaps has worked for me, I'll put it on the table anyways, right, is not to look for affiliation. There is much talk thanks to social media about what makes for a good manager, what makes for a bad manager. And you're reading all of this even before you get into space. And therefore, you are you're starting to personalize management. Being a manager has nothing to do with, and my whole thing is don't personalize your interactions with managers, etc., right? And vice versa. Getting the work done. It's all about knowing what you have to do. It's all about your KPIs. It's all about working towards that. You work within frameworks or systems and processes. Your clients want things done in a certain way. We have to deliver. But what happens is we kind of build all of these stories and narratives around good managers and bad managers. And all of those experiences are contextual. So I really feel that this then wanting to become that good manager, because sometimes it, it falls in great conflict with the delivery and what you have to achieve. You can't have it all. So learn, observe, learn. And I would say that keep your work at the center of everything you do and get your team. As you move from manager to leader, it's all about getting your team enthusiastic about where they should be going and getting them to do that. And as much as possible, roll up your sleeves and continue getting your hands dirty. Because public relations, the more you do it, the more it becomes a craft and the more you start seeing results. So I really feel that at no stage can those in public relations get out of execution. So this thing of as I go up the ladder, I'm going to do less and less of execution, I think is a myth. The joy of being able to pull out a press release, one that can get picked up without any alteration by media within a span of 15 minutes or 20 minutes because you've done it over and over again and today it's a craft. We need to be proud of that. And that's just a very simple thing that I've taken up. If I'm sitting in a meeting and I'm listening and five minutes into that discussion, I know what that problem is. I know what the solution can be. And I have the charisma, the credibility, and the know-all to have my clients or anyone sitting at the other side of the table listen and implement what I have to say. can only come with doing and doing more. And this is something I want to tell everyone who's looking to make that leap from execution to manager to leader. I love the way you put this. PR is a craft, and the more you practice it, the more you refine your skills. You know, you spoke earlier about experimenting and learning new skills. But when you specialize in a special vertical, you end up doing more of the same and sometimes labeled as a traditionalist or God forbid an ancient. When you experiment with new things, you're labeled as unfocused. Either way, it's not a win. Women especially find it tough to defend this on their resumes and they get pushed aside. What would your advice be to them? I tell you, Taranjeet, I've often been called not knowing where I'm leading the business to. And I have, I think, from the time I set up the practice, it's always been to take public relations to the boardroom. And 
whatever it takes. And I've been telling my team members of late that it may not happen in my life. But if I am able to seed that thought into so many people who walk through the corridors of the practice and they move out and they take that thought and apply that in their own way, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Now, coming to your aspect of this whole thing of a traditionalist, someone being unfocused and confused and all of that, I just feel that the fact that we are in a messy place is a good thing. I feel that when you're at your, when things are really, really messy, it's almost like when you put rock bottom, the only way is up. I feel that our industry is going through flux, and that is very, very good. Very good because we have very senior people who have, you know, can be seen as role models. We have a generation below them who are tired of kind of being attacked or being kind of cast in a certain category. And we have youngsters who are dreaming and who are now ready to fight it. This mess, I feel, is good because out of this is going to grow something really beautiful that perhaps my generation has been kind of battling. It's all very good. Look at it as it's all right because we're talking about mid-managers at this point in time. Mid-managers, approximately five to ten years of experience. A career spans at least 35 to 40 years today. What right. is 10? That's 20 to 25% of your career span. Not a time to get disillusioned. I'm saying this because I've done 28 years. And like I still feel the same energy. I still feel the same purpose. I still feel the same. I'm not tired. You're only at your 10 years into your career, 5 to 10 years. Do not give up because we see light at the end of the tunnel. And as much as our younger generation will be beneficiaries of that, they must continue to fight. They must continue to enjoy what this amazing profession has to offer us. And I think that is where change will happen. I would also say at this point, we're talking about mid-managers, people at the mid-management of things of their careers. And here I must say that we should stop looking at our careers as a corporate ladder where we are moving from account executive to senior account manager, account director. The path is very, very clear. Now, what this does for you is you end up doing more of the same. You end up doing a lot of account management or client servicing, whatever you call it. But are you expanding and stretching your understanding of public relations? Public relations is a vast subject. It is a management discipline. It includes so many functions of an organization. So you're influencing all of that, be it internal communications or employee engagement, or you're looking at investor relations or analyst relations, you're looking at ESR, you're looking at or digital engagement today, you're looking at media relations, you're looking at stakeholder engagement, so much, so much to do. Now, in the 10 years, have you just done account management and client servicing or would your resume reflect this vast expanse of what public relations really means? And the only way, and I feel the analogy of a jungle gym comes into, should actually be practiced within our industry. Because maybe five years, but if you kind of spend the next five years understanding all these aspects of public relations, by the time you are ready to go into a leadership role, you are a well-rounded public relations professional. And you can sit in the, in the boardroom, 
you are listening to organizational issues. Only way you can find a seat at the table is if you understand what it is to run a business. And all of these aspects and public relations so beautifully, all of these elements that helps you go deeper and deeper into understanding organizational issues. And this is why it's very important. It's not just about going up, but open yourself, kind of stepping sideways, going down a little bit, stepping up again. So this is what is very, very important for us to understand. And I just feel that when a workplace becomes sensitive to what I said earlier to Tarunjit about the various, how life is so integrated into our careers and careers are so integrated into our lives, the only way up is going to be to a jungle gym, which means that you're not going to be able to reach the zenith of your profession in five or ten years. You may, but you'll be an exception. You can still reach the zenith of your profession in 15 to 20 years and still be able to have traversed only 60% of your career lifespan and enjoy the balance as a well-rounded profession. Absolutely agree. But there is one question I just have to ask you. You spoke about financial literacy for women, a subject I'm very passionate about myself. But the money conversation at any role is often very difficult for women to have. Most come back disappointed with the conversation they were unable to have and get stuck in a loop of unhappiness. What would your advice be for women when they are gearing up to have this conversation? So Tarunjit, if you've never had that money conversation all your life and suddenly you're expected to have that conversation at the workplace, it's not going to happen. Because again, you're layered and sedimented by social conditioning. If at home... You've always seen parent ask another for money and your father dictate how the money needs to be spent at home. And you, how are you even going to have that conversation in the workplace? At a very young age, we were told to start doing things to earn our own pocket money. And so I started working. I mean, I started teaching my neighbor's kids at the age of 16. And then, like I said, I was doing an announcer and I would earn all my money. I think that the value of money came to me much, much earlier. Now, having said that, my big struggle was when I came into the business and I was handling money in a very simple way, in a more simplistic way. Money coming in, money going out, what's the balance in the bank? But when you're running a business or when you're managing teams and accounts and going to managing the leadership positions in your organizations, money cannot be dealt with simplistically. And you need to understand what makes money, where can you save, what are the dynamics that shift within this conversation? So I learned the very hard way, but I was lucky to have a partner and my father-in-law who were very, very clear and instilled in me that top line is vanity, bottom line is sanity, and cash flow is reality. And this goes, I applied to my life as well. That means what I earn is really vanity. What I save, sanity, and what I had in my hand to spend is the reality of my financial position. And I feel this is so important for all of us. And that's why I say it's never too early to start understanding the financial imperatives of your career or of your life. It's very, very important. And when you get comfortable with that, you start having conversations because you'll actually, there will be phases when you feel that, oh my God, I have so much and I can do so much with it. Because if you're constantly only worrying about how much you earn, you're always from a point that I don't have enough. When you look at, when you consider, when you have financial considerations that go from what you earn to what you save and what you have in hand to spend, 
You can even, and I would love to go there because today I'm finding myself in a position where I can volunteer and offer my time, but I don't need money. And that's a beautiful that's place it. to be. And t- I tell you that it does not have to be at after 28 years of the profession. It can even be in your second year or your fifth year or your 10th year. As much as it is important to know what you deserve, it's equally important to know when you have enough. So how I look at any money conversation. And I think the sooner you start, the more you will be able to enjoy this. And it's no more going to be uncomfortable. This has been one of my most valuable lessons as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I think everybody who's there in the business or even working in the business in general life would do good by taking up this advice and implementing it as soon as possible in their lives. Okay, so we are running out of time. My last couple of questions. Your top advice for women to continue to stay in the business and keep finding the joy in being in the business. The one is career is no more an option. It makes you. It's a very important part of your personality. Second, we are all getting into our careers knowing that at some point in time, we will the three M's will come our way for the majority of us. So plan such that these are not roadblocks, but these are in a celebratory moments that help you with your learning and evolution as a person. So that is my second. And third is, I would say, apply, I don't want to call it my financial philosophy, but I learned that too late. But if you can start that sooner, the career journey is going to be a lot more gratifying and enjoyable. Understood. And what would your advice be to them to keep finding the joy in PR? The jungle gym and to recognize that public relations is a management discipline that deserves its place in the boardroom. So I'm going to say it again. You must recognize that public relations is a management discipline that is meant for the boardroom. And the whole aspect of the jungle gym that I spoke about may extend your career growth, may not take you to the top fast, but it is definitely going to make your journey a lot more richer, a lot more enjoyable, and one that is hugely gratifying because by the time you get to the top, you're not going to struggle to find solutions. The solutions will be there right in front. Awesome. I love the last bit of advice as well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Tarun. This was fabulous. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tarun. Bye. So that was the very awesome Nandita Lakshmanan sharing life secrets with all of us that I think will hold in good stead for women and men in PR, irrespective of the designation that they are at. But we are very thankful that she chose to share her views on the mid-management level for this podcast today. Thank you so much, Nandita. Would like to give a shout out to the good folks at PRPOI. This episode was brought to you via a special arrangement with them. Thank you again for tuning in today and we will see you next week for another interesting conversation from the world of communication.